Welcome to the Everything Early Childhood podcast designed for approved providers, nominated supervisors and other childcare leaders. This fun, lighthearted and very serious podcast features weekly episodes on strategy, advice and conversations with fascinating and inspiring people from across our sector. Join the journey and have access to the tools and inspiration you need to create high performing childcare businesses. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of Everything Early Childhood. I am your host, Lisa Brown, and it is my pleasure to join you for another beautiful week of our podcast. So it's been a really interesting week continued to connect with all of your amazing directors out there in relation to our Directors Academy. So super excited to welcome 10 amazing directors who want to build on their knowledge of being an amazing leader in our early childhood space. And the conversations that I have been having over and over, it just makes it so clear with how much this is needed in our sector. And I'm really proud to bring it out to you all and release that. It's first of its kind to be able to take you all on a journey. So commencing in March, so first of March, all the way until August, so our six-month journey and taking you all through that. So we're almost full. Um, Got a, a couple more, I think one more space remaining. And so, yes, but it's been incredible and I'm really excited. It's a really beautiful bunch of leaders that I know really well. So really excited to take you all and be part of the journey along the way. So this week, being connecting with you all, center visits, um, of course, really focusing on my health at the moment. So in all of our previous podcasts, joking about being healthy and um, all of the gym people and all of my gym scenarios, well, that's sort of me. Um, I hired my personal trainer. So she's been coming twice a week. She comes to me in the office and we work, she works me really hard. So she's clever. She, If I stop through an exercise, she pauses my timer now and then I have to make sure that I make up that time. So we've been working hard and I, I feel so good. I feel really good, lots of energy and I've never balanced so many big priorities all at once. So obviously business, early childhood comes really naturally to me. And this is now another element, obviously on top of that. So really focusing and the three things that got me over the line, and I really want to share this isn't isn't what today's episode's about, but potentially it might end up being about um, going on a bit of a tangent. But I want to share the three things that got me over the line in relation to my health. So the first one was and it came, it popped up probably about six to eight months ago, but it, it continually, these messages just keep reappearing from all of my mentors and people that I follow. And my trainer, she's so funny. She's like, Lisa, we can't say that stuff. Like you need to say that stuff so it gets through because it's true. It's so important. So the first one was um, around your, your health, right? So people that are unhealthy and people that, you know, potentially are on, you know, their last legs, they're laying there and thing, they only have one wish and their only wish is to be healthy. And we are so blessed that we have health, our health. So we need to do everything we can to keep it and maintain it. The second one was in order to be our best and show up as our best, we need to be at our best and not just um, mentally in our minds, but also physically. And so putting in that effort and 
it's really great because it allows you to overcome so many different obstacles and push yourself harder than you have before and everyone's so different that's why a personal trainer is awesome because they tailor it to you and what your needs are and that includes my third thing which was like if you are going or the level that I want to get up to and the people that I want to be able to help and support I need to be at my best in order to do that and it's I'm limiting myself from being able to step up and to be able to help more people and support more people so if you look back I talk about a life plan a lot because again our life isn't just work our life is all about our life is our life and work is just a part of of our life. So when we do our life plan, and that all comes down to all of the nitty gritty around time management and things. Sorry, but I and I started doing a life plan about four years ago. And in my first life plan, because I color coded the different categories in my life when we worked through it. And so there was a lot of um, obviously other colors, but this year I've noticed and I've really prioritized a lot of pink and pink is self-care and pink for me. So it's looking after my health. It's making sure I take time for myself. We talk about self-care as in it's being selfish to look after ourselves But if we don't fill our cups first, we have nothing to give to others. So it's really, really crucial that we do that first in order to give back. So that's my little segue into today's um, podcast episode, Um, balancing all of those priorities. And I get asked all the time, you know, you do so many things. How do you balance it all? Like, how do you actually do it all? And I describe it like my brain is like manila folders and I have the expectation, like nothing surprises me anymore. I've seen so many different things. So I don't, when something happens, I don't feel that intense reaction. It just happens and we breathe because remember there's that difference between the response and the reaction which is just your breath like literally five seconds just taking a breath and then being like okay well what do we need to do about it what are our options and what are our next steps and what do we need to do about that so with that it's it's anticipating that you know nothing will be perfect nothing's perfect I am a recovering perfectionist. I get it. But, and I keep having to remind myself, um, what is it? It's um, prolific prolific over perfection or, yeah, so, and it's better to have things done. And so my level of things done in my, um, I guess, would be so my what would it be like my 40% would be somebody else's 110%. So whilst I might not be 100% happy with the quality it is it it meets the criteria of what is required for that particular task. So it's giving ourselves some grace, some compassion and really being clear with ourselves on what the expectations are. And so the balance is real. Um, and I keep seeing all of those Bali villas pop up on the socials. Have you seen them too? And I am here with you all staying consistent and kicking goals. So today's episode is going to be all about building your toolkit. So I call this your little tool belt, your toolkit, building up all of those strategies in order to set yourself up for success. 
this podcast has been inspired by visiting services, particularly this time of the year, where you have children, families transitioning into new spaces for the first time. And it's like starting a new job, right? So you might be starting a new job this year and this might relate to you um, in starting a new job. But anytime we start something new and move into a new environment, it's overwhelming at first. Like we, where, where does this, where's the toilet paper kept? There's no toilet paper in the bathroom. Where is it kept? Where's the stationery? Where's the craft? Um, How do they do this? What are the rules? Where do I fit in? There are so many questions that buzz through our minds over and over and over and over until we really settle in and find our place. So if we feel that sense of not disconnect, but if we feel that sense of you know, not belonging or I don't really know what word to use. It's it's like displaced so you're still finding your place, but and you're not quite there yet. You're still just settling in. But if we feel that enormity of that unknown, imagine how our little people feel at, at one, two, three, four, five years old in our spaces for the very first time, whether they're transitioning up into rooms or whether they're tra- starting care um, in, in your service for the first time. So it's really important to make sure that we empathise with where they're at. Um, crying is normal. Crying is normal. Emotions are normal. We are human and we're all human and we all have emotions and a whole array of different emotions under the rainbow. So what I want to try to, because what I've been noticing a lot is that there's a lot of frustration even this early on in the year. And particularly, I think more frustration this early on in the year than any other time. And it keeps sort of coming back to the same thing over and over and over again. They're like, it keeps changing. The routine keeps changing. The, I don't know where, I don't know what to do. I don't know where this is. The children have no idea where this is. So I was really blessed to be able to spend some time in one of our services with the children the other day and it was beautiful it made me miss teaching so much um, and those beautiful connections that you have with the children but what I notice is they what's happening is that the adults in the space are starting to blame the children in the space but I just want to remind you that it isn't the children's job to meet us where we're at it is our role and our job to meet the children where they're at So at this point in the year, we have expectations because we've just come off the end of last year, which at the end of the year, your rooms and your spaces can be very settled. They're very consistent. You've got a good flow um, and everything is just functioning, really spinning, turning, amazing, and you're doing incredible things. Then you move back to the start of the year and it's time to start again. So we've had a couple of podcast episodes really about this start of the year, but this one I really wanted to focus on what is our role and what strategies do we need to have in our spaces to be able to set us up for and the children up for success for the year. So this episode is really aimed 
at any educators and any leaders in the space that are feeling a little bit lost, feeling a little bit frustrated and feeling like I just don't know what to do. So whenever you feel like that and you have those emotions, my biggest advice is move all the way back to basics. Go back to the foundation and go back to really looking at what is it that you need. And there are certain things that you need to have in your space. So the very basics are one, your routine. So your flow of the day. What happens in your space from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. or whatever hours you're opening your service. The next one is the team. The team need to have a clear understanding of, and this is even more crucial than any other part, they need to know what their roles are and where they are and where they should be located. Um, So if you're doing this, where should you be going? The next one is commitment. So have you done a commitment with your children, commitment and consequences? Um, We'll go through these in more detail in a second. But the last one, number four, is non-negotiables. And these are non-negotiables for your space. These are non-negotiables for your team. And these are non-negotiables for your children. So look at your environment, look at your people, and then look at just the center in general in relation to your policies, your procedures, and what is relevant for your service. And these things are what counts at the start of the year. Remember, you are planting those little baby seeds, you're putting back, pulling back the soil, you're planting these little baby seeds so that they can bloom and all of the flowers will come up and flourish and your hard work will pay off. Again, I, I repeat and I've said it so many times in, in episodes of recent, it is hard this time of the year. But the difference is we could stop and we could quit or if you keep pushing through, it's those joy and satisfaction of being able to look back and see how far you have come. We are in such a beautiful position to be able to make a difference to future generations and we have an obligation to do that. And I really want to encourage you to go back and revisit your why. Why are you there? What do you want to achieve? Like your why every time it's hard. Because for me, my why right now, visiting and spending time with the children in the classroom the other day, um, I was like, yes, okay, great. This is why you do what you do, like for the children. Um, and you've all heard my backstory, so I'm not going to go into it again. So when we look at it, I want you to, um, let's break all of those things down. And then I just want to go over some other little points um, in relation to your toolkit. So the flow of the day. So start with the basics first, build it around different times of the day that have to happen. So look at your meal times. look at your um your morning. So how do you want the children to arrive? So their arrival routine and then the departure routine. So what should the children or the families do when they arrive? What should the children and families do when they depart? So start with those times of the day. Of course, for the younger age groups, building your nappies in there as well. And there are so many things that you can do to make your life easier. And I still still see so many services being like, that is so odd. Why do they do it that way? So even the other day, there were they'll have a group time. Really consider your group times. And I, I talked about this in a previous episode. Really think about what intention do you have for children? So what do you actually want to get out of that group time? And is it necessary that one, it needs to be a whole group? 
Two, that the children need to sit down for the entire group. And three, is it actually necessary or could they learn that in another way? So in our service, we had what we called um, traveling group times. So we would never, ever have the whole group sitting down at the same time. We only had 20 children in that group, but we would just bring a book outside because the other thing is, does it need to be inside or can it be outside? Grab a book, read a book that you will have a group of children come over and join in that book. Does that mean it's a group time? So really consider reflecting on for you, what is a group time? And it's not just a group time. I'm going to do a whole episode just on group times, but it's reflect on each part of your day. What is the purpose? What is the meaning? And is it necessary? So how, and then when you, when you start with the basics, then you, and you've mastered those. So it's not just the times that meals are happening. It's how you are doing it. What is that? What does that flow look like? What time does the trolley get there? How do the children help during this time? What are the other children doing during that time? How do we make it so that there is long, uninterrupted times of play and that it's just a part of the day? It doesn't mean we have to stop and start, stop and start, stop and start for our entire day. That is why we've moved from calling it a routine to a flow of the day because the day just flows. And I have shared with you before that in our service, we took away our clocks. We didn't have clocks because it was a flow. Didn't matter what the time was. We had we had the nappy times as um, alarms in our iPads that went off to prompt us. And then we had an alarm for 11 a.m. And that's when we knew we started putting out the beds with the children. Because every time you do something in your service, I want you to think, are we setting the children up for success? Is this really what is best for the children? And if there's something that you're doing that they can do, you are doing them a disservice. They can make their beds. They can set the table. They can serve themselves. They are like children do not need us as much as we think they need us. So really break down each part of your routine. Start with those basics, fundamentals, those things that are non-negotiable, they're happening. You've got the chef, the chef needs to cook the dishes, but focus on how you are doing it. Is it it, um, transitional, like progressive meals? Do you have it all together? Like why do you do it that way? Is it working? How do you feel? How are the children empowered during those times? Do you feel like you can have meaningful connections with children during those times? And then if you're doing that, what are the other children doing and what are the educators doing? So with your flow of the day, you almost need a secondary routine or flow, which is your educators. So this is what the children are doing, but this is what the educators are doing in this space. And one of them is a play practitioner. Like it is actually times for the educators to sit and play with children. Now, educators do it's surprising me and it's been obviously a long time that it's been on my mind but educators some are really amazing and it's a really natural ability for them to find that natural inner child and joy and those educators you could sit and literally watch for an entire day and I'm like I want to be like you but then you have like um pretty much I would say at least 75 to 80 percent of educators in services don't know how to play And it's really fascinating and interesting and 
I mean, really break down what do they think their role is? Because I observe so many educators standing above children, standing above, standing above, standing above. So it's really important even as adults for us to play, for us to get our joy out, for us to have that freedom to be able to explore and create and think about how that makes you feel and, and really look for moments and pockets in your day where you can have more of that. So you've got your team. So, and one of those is a play facilitator, right? So if they, um, what is the other educator doing? What is the other educator doing? So we've got to consider the safety of the children when we're looking at that. We've got to consider that, um, we call it the triangle effect. So, and this is great. If you've never heard this before, this is really a really amazing analogy. So, and I've, I saw this. I saw this on Tuesday. We had a very experienced educator um, and then we had two other educators who were not quite experienced. So at the start of the year, once you get your staff flow of the day or your team flow of the day in action, your role as the leader in that space is to make sure that your team have a really clear understanding of what their role is, where should they be. So for that first, I don't even know how long, like month and a half, whatever is needed, whatever is necessary, your role is to say, hey, I'm going to do lunch today because I'm on lunch. Um, Can you please make sure that you're sitting at this table once they're finished, you're going to the bathroom. So everyone knows where they're at and what their next role is and what their next job is. Have a morning meeting in the morning, say, okay, well, this is the roles for the day. Um, at a service recently just be- that I visited just before Christmas, they didn't want to have a set roster. I think it helps if you've got more than two educators in a room, you have to have it because there's always those little things. Oh, I always clean. I always do nappies. I always do that. So it just makes things really fair. And then we created lanyards off those um those educator roles so that they knew based and it was based on their shift they knew based on their shift they were either educator one two three four um, in that space they would grab their lanyard until they got used to what that that role entailed and what that shift entailed Um, and they would just look at their little lanyard and it created so much more certainty like we feel and I feel leaders think that oh I don't want to boss them around I don't want them to think that I'm you know really I don't know. Look, I used to get, it sounds so bad. I used to be get called a Nazi, man. I just used to be like, boom, 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 drill sergeant. But it, especially in a baby's room, it has to function like a well-oiled machine. If you're not doing your job over here, Barry, it really impacts me and my job over here, Sally. So we need to make sure that we, everybody is pulling their weight and equally contributing as well as putting out those, um, making sure that it's fair. So making sure that it's fair for everyone and with looking at those. So when we do have that, it's in, yeah, it's important to look at the whole picture and what that looks like. It's not going to be perfect to start with, but then you just reflect on it. You can see, you say, hey, this person over here, this didn't quite work. So we probably need a person here um, in order for that to flow more effectively. So going back to my little triangle, so, and we've got videos on our socials and stuff demonstrating the triangle. So Jake did, um, I did a video and he did all like little graphics and stuff. So it's pretty cool. But um, in the little triangle, let's say that you are having a group time, hey, group times, but you, and do you know, 
Children say that the two least favourite times of their day, if you ask them, are the sit down, cross your legs time because that's all the, the educators say is sit down, cross your legs the entire time. And the second one is rest. So they're not really a fan of rest. So involve them again in what you can do during that that time of the day that is going to get the same result, which is for them just to rest their bodies and their minds and think about what else that could be. Yoga, um, meditation, a, um, a book, like just listening to an audio book, whatever that is, all that all that you're needing during that time because we have to what we call backfill now so we have to cover the ratio during those breaks we didn't need to before um, but we have to make sure that we've got that ratio for our breaks so we should always be on ratio so there should there's no absolute no reason but don't use that as an excuse either make sure that we do put that effort in particularly at this time of the year to help children rest and relax and sleep if necessary, because we can be lazy, let's face it, we can be lazy and just say, oh, I tried. But what happens and what's happening and what I'm seeing is that we've got children falling asleep at three o'clock, three, four o'clock because they haven't had a sleep. So make sure that we are putting in that effort to, again, plant those seeds to reap the reward, reap, reap, yeah, reap the rewards later in the day. So once your team has that, so sorry, back to the triangle. I will finish this sentence. Um, So with the triangle, so you've got your group time, then you've got to think, and this is you as a leader, you've got to think, and any educator, what comes next? So what can you do and what can you have ready for that next movement? Okay, so they're going to get up off the mat. So I've got one educator who potentially is running the group. Um, I would love to have another secondary educator sitting with the children so that the educator can run the group and then that educator is the one helping the children to monitor like, yep, just sit down, we've got five more minutes um, to be able to help support the children. Then you've got to think, okay, well, what is going to come next? So potentially they're going to move to lunch, right? But before lunch, they might wash, need to wash their hands. So then your third educator, so if you've got three, um, three is a really beautiful number. I think a room with two educators is really tricky to manage, um, particularly if you've got nappies, but three is a really beautiful number. So your third, ed- your third educator in the space, so you've got one at group, second one sitting with the children, the third educator is starting to set the table. So they might have a few, a couple of helpers for the day with the little jobs and responsibilities to have children over helping them to set the table. Then the educator that's helping with the group, once they're finishing up, will go to the bathroom because they need to go wherever the children are going. So that triangle is group time is the first point, The next point is the bathroom. And then where are they going after that? They're going to the table. So you need to have an educator at each point of where you expect the children to go. And that is the triangle and that is how it flows. So if you've got two educators, you would have one on the group and one in the bathroom. And the one on the group, once the children have all started clearing off, they would move over to the table. So really thinking about your flow. And when when you're a team and you've been working together for a really long time, you don't really need to talk about it. It just happens and it just works. But really, I, I want you to get into the habit of reflecting on, is this working? What do we need to do better? So are the children washing their hands for 20 seconds? Is there an educator in there? And how are you transitioning them to the next experience? 
Um, I'm starting to see a lot of lines again, starting to see children lining up and a lot of what we call wait time. There are so many more beautiful and fluid and authentic ways to do it rather than having children stand in a line and wait their turn. They're going to have so many opportunities in other areas to learn how to turn take rather than just standing in a line and having that wait time. How boring. So in our in EYLF, it does say that we need to maximize transitions. So what that means is that we need to look at how are our transitions happening? So whether that's moving into a new space, whether that's moving from one space to another space, whether that is from one experience to another experience, and you create the energy in that space. So by your by you managing how the children move through that space, you create the energy in that space. So it's really important and this is why it's so crucial that you get that your team to have a clear understanding of what that looks like. What else on that? So like sunscreen, I'll just give you some little like tips and stuff in here, right? So sunscreen, I saw there was a group time and then after the group time, the children then transitioned, the whole group, 20 children transitioned to put sunscreen on. I'm like, give them the sunscreen to put on while they're sitting there participating in the story or the group. Um, In the younger age groups, like put the sunscreen on when you're doing nappy changes. Um, In your routine, think about these little tiny things that need to happen and how, just like our last week's episode, which was um, transition to school or school readiness and beyond, it's like, how can we make them flow in our day? These are the things I want to include. How can I make them flow in the day so sunscreen is one of them for the younger age groups at nappy changes but the other one is um shoes so taking shoes off before like think about these little things putting hats on um taking their shoes off before sleep making their beds where are their sheets stored and it's all of these little organizational things that are going to help with your flow and to have a really smooth flow of the day So by now, they should have lockers, they should have bags, we should have shoe racks or a place where shoes belong. We should have a place where hats belong, a place where drink bottles belong. And as I said, and I'll I'll keep repeating this over and over, anything that children can do on their own, they should. All right, number three is our commitment and consequences. So just like anyone in society and any human, if we don't understand what is expected of us and what that commitment and consequences are if I don't follow that commitment it's really hard to be able to find your place anywhere so what we encourage if you haven't done so already most services would have already done it but develop it with your children so with your group of children for your younger groups you'll just need to combine it with number four which we're going to go over in a minute but your talk to your children just say look what do you want how do you want to feel in our space how do you want to feel when you come to school do you do what don't you like what do you like and 
start that conversation. And so hopefully they come out with things, look, I don't like it when people push me because it really hurts me and say, okay, so we need to be gentle with our friends. Um, and then say, okay, well, what would ha- what should we do if that happens? Like, and, and if somebody does it, what's the consequence? And talk about what consequence means and get them to come up with their own set of, we call them a commitment because we really want them to commit to following them. But we can't just do it once. Again, you you have to be on repeat, 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 repeat over and over and over again. So the flow of the day, repeat over and over again. So what that means to your children is, okay, it's time, like you ring your little bell or whatever you do to signal um, tidy up time. I love just a guitar or a little tambourine, just something really soft and beautiful and then we say, all right, we're tidying up each educator. You don't, something we really worked on because we found we were doing it so much in the service was like yelling across the space. So we're like, Charlie, Charlie, it's time for morning tea. Are you hungry? Do you want to eat? So what we did, we just got walkie talkies and um, we, that's how we communicated with each other. So we say, all right, five more minutes and we're going to tidy up. And rather than let's say me having to scream out into the whole yard, five more minutes, we're going to tidy up. Each educator in their set spaces would let the children know and prompt them, all right, we've got five more minutes, just letting you know to finish up what you're doing. In five more minutes, we're going to tidy up. And it just created that beautiful calmness. And when everyone's on that same page, it's just, it's beautiful, beautiful, like magic. So have those little strategies within yourself and it's beautiful because I visited a service um, late last year that had that I noticed how beautifully they did that and how beautifully they communicated but it wasn't um, I didn't hear those big voices and shouting it was exactly that one educator would prompt one educator the next educator would prompt the other educator and they would just pass it along the line and then it would just happen they would help their space tidy up and they would move to the next thing. But that's exactly right. So you you need to communicate what that next thing is. Because even, even casual stepping into your space to help for the day should be really clear on what comes next. So, okay, the children are tidied up, but this, are they still tidying up? Do they tidy up for half an hour? What about the children that have already finished tidying up their space? Where do they go? What do they do next? So it's about you prompting them and continually prompting them until they get into habit. So 21 days to form a habit, apparently. Um, so remind them, okay, grab your hats from your locker and come and sit on the mat. So after we've tidied up, grab your hat and then come and sit on the mat and tell them and continually tell them to remind them or prompt them. Children respond well with one to two things, at one to two instructions at once, not five. <laughs> so don't get your bag, put your hat away, um, put your shoes on the thing. No, no, no. So keep it really basic, one to two instructions, but just um, grab your hat. Don't re- just remember to grab your hat from your locker and then come and sit on the mat and that's it and there should be somebody on that mat waiting for them and starting start do not wait for all the children this is where the issues happen and not that and I'm going to do another episode around um 
educators, because I feel like I just wrote that down, but I feel like educators, our, our job is like we feel like we have to entertain children all day and that's not the case. So children can be independent and they can play independently. However, we need to set them up for success at this time of the year. And yes, they are going to need more of our time and more of our attention at this time of the year, but we want to set them up for success because Maria Montessori said, our job is done when the children no longer need us. So that is the aim. That is the aim in our classroom for the children to no longer need us. And then we move to more advanced and we increase those skills. We have more time to plan all of those beautiful experiences for them because they can play independently. They know the commitment. They've committed to the rules and the boundaries in the space. They know that we follow through. All of our team understands there's no one wandering around here, there, everywhere. Everyone knows what is next. And because they're there, they're supervising those spaces. There's no gaps in the day. Um, and then your last one is your non-negotiables. So this is your list of things and it's mainly with – the children need to know what these are but it's mainly about being consistent as a team in spaces with things that are non-negotiable. So um, which spaces are for quiet spaces? Can they do this here? Are they able to take indoor toys outside? Um, it's, it's just those little nuances with each service that are like – you know, those rules that are never actually written down and it does, it drives me crazy. So every time I hear one of these rules, apparent rules or non-negotiables in a service, I'm like, where even is that written? Like, I didn't even know that. So what we've started doing is in services when we have these things, we just, um, we make sure that we write it down. So we have it in our staff handbook. Um, we even at our service had this sheet on the back of the door that would just start having all these things, even like ridiculous things. Like the rule at our service in this premise, in this building is that we only have four cars park in the car park. Okay, great. No worries. But I need to know that. And we only park in these certain spaces. Great. No problem. But if I don't know, I don't know. So make sure that you start writing those down those non-negotiables, um, can shoes, can they take shoes off outside? Um, where do the shoes go? Where is the shoes home? Um, what happens with the water bottles? Like, do they get their own water bottle or do you take it outside with them? Or do you have other jugs and cups outside? All of those little tiny, tiny little things that we think, oh, everyone should know that. Well, people don't know that because they don't know. So we need to make sure that we write it down and again, repeat, repeat, repeat. But have meetings, um, go through it. So these are the four things. So routine flow of the day, the team need to have a clear understanding of the expectations and what their role is, commitment and consequences with the children. And then they all sign off on it, that they all agree to it. And they'll come up with the cutest little consequences, which is fine because they've come up with them. Um, just monitor those because depending on the child rearing practices from home, um, they can be quite interesting and non-negotiables. So in your service, in your room, in your environment, in your teams, um, what is a non-negotiable? And the non-negotiable as well should include language. So language with how you are communicating with each other and the children. So how do they raise issues? How do they bring things up? What to say, etc. And I want you to remember the rule of seven. 
So the rule of seven has come from a marketing background. So people need to see marketing and advertising. So people need to see a brand or an ad seven times before they'll commit to buying or purchasing. This comes back to saying things right so how many times and I know it's so funny because I wrote in my notes here that what I hear all the time is like but we've got them all we've got all of those four things and it's still not happening and I was like do you do you really how clear are they and you think gosh really do I need to have lanyards on it with these things yes yes you do if it is not happening you need to go back to the drawing board and you need to create those systems and another system another thing like anytime there's a challenge get your magnifying glass out really look at that look at that challenge and be like okay if this is not working what else can I put in place Howard Gardner, multiple intelligences, right? So if we look at that theory, every human learns differently. And so whether you're presenting, whether you're educating, whether you're leading, it's important to know what style resonates with each person in your space. So children, team, you need to look at it. So try everything, (laughs) like try all different things in all of those different styles because everybody learns differently. And so back to the rule of seven, you need to say it at least seven times. So chances are by the time you are sick of saying something, you're like, I've said this so many times it's finally sunk in. So keep going and keep repeating. Another one of those for leaders, and you'll know what I'm talking about is hats, educators wearing hats outside. It's like, how hard is it? Put your hat on. But you need to say it every single day to remind them because they need to know that that's important. And in leadership, I go back to saying what we walk past, the standard or expectations that we walk past are the standard that we are willing to accept. So if we walk past something and don't say anything, then we are saying we're okay with that. So we're okay with you not wearing a hat. We're okay with how you spoke to that child. We're okay that you're all standing around in a group talking and no one's actually engaging with the children. We're okay with that. All the books are on the floor ripped. We're okay with that. So next time you see something in a space and don't say anything, I want you to remember that, that that's the message that you're sending to your team. So um, what else in my notes do I have here? So really, this has just come from observation and observing and just ensuring that we're setting everyone up for success in our space. Often when we have educators in our space, they're at different levels of knowledge. So like, but we expect them to know certain things. So let's say you had a diploma in a space or even an ECT and they didn't do something and you're like, but they they should know that. They should know how to do that but they might've just started at your service. They might not have been trained in that way. Some people, this is their first role ever. So to help you, it helps to just think about everyone from a starting point. If you're a leader in a space, just pretend no one in your space knows anything and start from the beginning. Because the saying that I told myself all the time, I trained you, I trust you, but I had to train them in order to trust them. So it's really going back to those basics and those standards and expectations and these four things, 
that's it. These four things and four fundamental things to get right in your space that will really make the difference with your team, with people feeling like they're not questioning things because they understand what's going on. Frustration comes from a limited and lack of knowledge. So what we want to do is have an oversupply and make sure everyone understands. And when you're sick of saying it, it means it's finally sunk in. So also check in with your team regularly. It's hard to do at this time of the year, I know, because there's so much happening and we have to, the children do require a lot of our attention, but make sure that you in the morning have a little debrief if possible, even if you're in separate spaces and you just talk about a debrief to say, you know, do you have your like lanyard today? Do you know what your jobs are or this and this and this is happening today and the week, like even plan out the week. So I was going to say at the other service, they didn't have the education cater roster what they had instead was um on their team wall like near their sink they just had the jobs that needed to be done that day and so in the morning they just talked about it and said okay who wants to do the like cleaning after lunch today who wants to do this and they'll just fill in names each day um maybe even for the week it was their job so which was great um and then so from blah blah and what else have I got and I was like yeah, okay. So I, I was wanted to share a story. So the other day I had a we had a new room leader start and I had a meeting with them and um their their room is requires a lot of work, a lot of work right now. And we're so grateful that we have two really experienced people that have started with us in these spaces this year because it absolutely needs it. And so in these spaces it, yeah, it's it's going. It requires a lot of work. There's some personality differences, and there's like little nuances, you know, with those expectations that are happening and those non-negotiables. So it's not clear. Um, people are still getting really confused and frustrated about what's happening and what's not happening, and what is this and this, etc. So when we had our meeting, we were chatting about um, the room and getting everyone on the same page, and I was like, you know what? have as many room meetings with your room as you need to until you are confident that your room is all on the same page because communication is key. So consistency and communication is key right now. And um, she was like, oh, I didn't know I could plan them. So I was waiting for, for you to plan them. And it just prompted me and it reminded me that sometimes things we think people should know or do know um, and take it upon themselves, they don't know. They need us to say it out loud. So as leaders, directors, in services, we need to say these things out loud, even if it might be obvious, even if we think, oh, yeah, they know this. They don't. So we need to make sure we say it out loud because it's like giving them permission to do so. So if, if you're frustrated as a leader and you think, oh, they really should be doing this, they should be doing that, give them permission to. Say, I've noticed this. It's okay if you want to do this. It's okay if you want to do this. Or let me know what you think that the best strategy would be to move forward with this, etc. Beautiful. All right. Well, that's it from me today. So that is all. I really wanted to just come and just share with you some things that I'm really noticing. Um, and just a reminder that, you know, the two, three, four-year-old child, it do- they don't meet us where we're at. We need to meet the child where they are. 
So, you know, if you've, when you lead a service and you're a big thinker like I am and, and real visionary, um, and you've got these really beautiful expectations with where, and for ourselves and for the children, sometimes that group of children are different. And sometimes that group of children need something different. And it's important to make sure that we meet them where they are at. Right, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me for another week. Um, If you would like to be a guest on our podcast, let me know. I'd love to have a chat with you. Um, I have been balancing and juggling so many things, so I do have some great guests lined up. I've just got to plan dates to sit down and do it with them. So I look forward to sharing them all with you, some really interesting topics and interesting stories. But if you or anyone you know would love to come on and have a chat with me, let me know. And otherwise, keep making every moment count, and I look forward to coming to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Everything Early Childhood podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. We read them all. (laughs) To catch all the latest from me, your host, Lisa Brown, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Lisa Brown underscore Platinum Ed. Thanks again for listening. Keep making every moment count and I'll see you next time.